Father in heaven, we are so thankful that your spirit is here. And it is true that you have laid upon yourself a charge to protect and care for every precious child. And we know that as our days, so shall our strength be. And so, Father, for this moment, we pray for strength. We've had a long day. And so we pray that you would revive the wearied frame, the tired brain. And we ask, Lord, that just this one time, you would awaken us, revive us through the presence of your Holy Spirit so that we may see Jesus in his word and that we may not resist him as he draws us. This is our prayer, and we trust that you will help this to be our experience, for we ask in Jesus' name, amen. If you have your Bibles, we're going to be going from the Gospel of Luke, 23rd chapter, if you'll turn there with me, in your Bible, Luke chapter 23. When you're there, you can say amen. Okay, if you're not there, you can say have mercy. If you don't have a Bible, say pray for me. (laughs) Luke 23, verse 1. The Bible says, Then the whole multitude of them arose and led him, capital H, that's Jesus, to Pilate. And they began to accuse him, saying, We found this fellow perverting the nation and forbidding to pay taxes to Caesar, saying that he himself is Christ, a king. Then Pilate asked him, saying, Are you the king of the Jews? He answered him and said, It is as you say. So Pilate said to the chief priests and the crowd, I find no fault in this man. But they were the more fierce, saying, He stirs up the people, teaching throughout all Judea, beginning from Galilee to this place. And when Pilate heard of Galilee, he asked if the man were a Galilean. And as soon as he knew that he belonged to Herod's jurisdiction, he sent him to Herod, who was also in Jerusalem at that time. Now we go to verse 13. Then Pilate, when he had called together the chief priests, the rulers, and the people, said to them, You have brought this man to me as one who misleads the people. And indeed, having examined him in your presence, I have found how much fault? No fault where? In this man, concerning those things of which you accuse him. You know, the greatest question of life, the greatest question in the universe, is what will you do with Jesus? What will you do with Jesus? And so Pilate, in this circumstance, has at his disposal 
the Lord of life, his own creator. And as this question comes up of, hey, we accuse this man, Jesus, Pilate says, many individuals have not decided to follow Jesus because they have not examined him. People have not seriously looked at the evidence of Christianity. It'd be different if you say, I've examined the evidence. I've looked at the facts that you can present that Jesus is alive. When you can go to Buddha's tomb, you can go to Muhammad's tomb, you can't go to Jesus' tomb. You can't find him. So you come up with all kind of fairy tale stories as to where he could possibly be, except for the one that the people who were his witnesses tell you. He is alive. He is rose from the dead. So the question of Pilate, right now, the issue on Pilate's mind is, what will I do with Jesus? And as he comes forward, he says, listen, I've examined this man, and I ask you the question, those of you who have not decided to make a wholehearted commitment to Jesus, have you examined him? Have you seriously sat down and analyzed the life of Christ and his teachings? Have you seriously looked at the evidence to see if the things that we're talking about is so? Or are they cunningly devised fables? Pilate had examined him. And I want to speak to you under this topic. Why people don't do what's right. The Bible says Pilate had examined him. And he says, I find no fault. In verse 16, Pilate says, I will therefore chastise him and release him. The first thing that we can suggest here about Pilate is that Pilate was convinced of Jesus' innocence. You see, if we continue reading in Luke 23, the Bible says in verse 20, Pilate therefore wishing to release Jesus, again called out to them, but they shouted, saying, crucify him, crucify him. Then he said to them, which time? What does your Bible say? The third time. He has come to this crowd twice before, and here he is the third time, the Bible says, why? What evil has he done? I have found no reason for death in him. I will therefore chastise him and let him go. What this convinces us is that Pilate knew what was the right thing to do. When a man is accused and you find no basis for the accusations, the right thing to do is what? I can't hear you. It's to let him go. Is there anyone in this room that doesn't think it is right to release an innocent man? As a result of that, Pilate looks down and he says, you know what? I know, I'm convinced that this man is innocent and I know what the right thing to do is. But let me suggest to you tonight that there are many people in the world that don't do what's right because they don't know what's right. You see, the Bible tells us in Acts 17 that God at the times of this ignorance, he winks. He says there's some people that aren't keeping the Sabbath because they don't know about the Sabbath. There are some individuals who are not eating a healthy lifestyle because they don't know. 
There are some people who are sleeping around. There are some people who are taking out their anger in unhealthy ways because they don't know what's right. And as a basis for this, why is it that people don't do what's right? You can say some people, they just don't know. They're ignorant. This is why, you know, when you sit down and you play with a little baby, and as you're playing with the little baby, the baby slaps you in the face, you don't say, hey, don't be disrespecting me. <laughs> Even though I do tell my daughter that sometimes. And she's only four months old. And the reason why is because I know in my daughter's mind she's not thinking, this is my dad. Let me give him a nice good slap, you know, for the way he changed my diaper last time. That's not what she's thinking. And as a result of that, I can say she doesn't know. Therefore, don't hold it against her. But if my daughter was not four months but 14, then we have a different discussion. Because now you know. In some cultures, they call it the age of accountability. You're no longer a child now. And in some places in America, even under 18, you can be tried as adult on the basis of knowledge. Did you understand that you were bringing pain to these people at Columbine? Did you understand when you went into this movie theater in Colorado that you were going to take human life with the bullets in your gun? He understood what he was doing. And because a person understands they know what's right and they don't do what's right, we hold them accountable to that. But for Pilate, it doesn't just stop there because I can say many people in the world do not do what's right because they don't know. But the second reason why people don't do what's right is because even though they may have the knowledge, they do not have the desire. What word did I just say? Desire. You see, if you look back again in Luke 23, the Bible says in verse 20, Pilate therefore wishing to release Jesus. That means Pilate did not only know what was right, the right thing to do was to release Jesus, but Pilate was desiring to do what was right. Let me tell you something. I, I used to be mind-boggled as I looked around and, and I thought to myself when I worked at a hospital right after I became a Seventh-day Adventist Christian. And as I worked at this hospital, I was always confused that as you're working in this medical facility, patients come in and out every day and the doctor's like, listen, if you don't get off the pork, if you don't stop smoking and drinking, you're going to die. You need to cut down on the high protein, high fats, high oil, all that stuff. You need to start getting some vegetables into your diet. Then after the patient leaves, super dejected, man, I got to give up my ham hocks. I don't know what I'm going to do. We got a whole freezer of them. And he's walking out of the office talking to his wife. Then the doctor and I go downstairs to the cafeteria for lunch. And what does the doctor order? Yeah, can I get the uh, pork this and the Philly cheesesteak with the super large Coke and the super oily fries with the extra chili sauce on top of the fries? And I'm sitting there looking like, didn't you just tell someone not to eat this? But then you say, okay, Sebastian, that's forgivable. Everybody's growing in health reform. Okay, I'll give you that. But what about the fact that after he's done eating his Philly cheesesteak, 
and his chili cheese fries and his super large Coke, he goes outside to smoke a cigarette. If there's anyone that understands the power of what cigarettes can do to your lungs, it is a medical doctor. So therefore, his knowledge that smoking causes cancer does not deter him. He has no desire to stop smoking. His issue is not knowledge at that point in time. His issue is desire. And so just like in this room, there are many of you that know that the seventh day is the Sabbath. You know you ought not to do certain things with the opposite sex before you are married to them. You know you ought not to say certain things to people. Yet you do them anyway. You have no desire to not do it. I don't have a desire to do what's right. I know what's right, but you don't have a desire. And that is another reason why people don't do what's right. People don't desire. Because at the end of the day, I work with college students. They have complete liberty with their schedule. And the thing that always fascinates me is college students throughout the semester, they're like, yeah, you know, we don't have time to do evangelism. We don't have time to do witnessing. We don't have time to do Bible studies. My schedule is so overpacked. And then you know what happens when they have time? They do everything but evangelism. It's the same thing. You know, I had a friend. His dad would always say, you know, son, I'm going to spend time with you. I just, I'm just really busy. Work is really tying me up, and I'd love to take some time with the family. And every family trip was not dad and mom and the kids. It was mom and the kids. But dad was stuck at work. That was the family trip. And dad would try to join later on if he could. And then you know what happened when dad had time? He did everything except spend time with his family. You know what that communicates to me? The issue is not time. The issue is desire. Many of you make excuses as to why you don't have time to study the Bible. Why you don't have time to study the things and read the way you would want to read and do your devotions. And yet when you have time, you do everything but study the Bible. Some of you get home leaves. You're like, my schedule's not as intense. Or maybe you get spring break. Whatever the case may be. Soon as you have time, you choose to do other things besides the things you complain you don't have time to do. Am I telling the truth, yes or no? I told you I'm going to be real with you. That is my goal. I don't want to pretend. We are not here to pretend. We don't have time for dozens and dozens of weeks of prayer to help us to get it. So we need to be honest with God, honest with ourselves. The reality is I just don't want to do it. That's why you don't do what's right. That's why I don't do what's right. Not because I don't know. You see, once we become a Christian, knowledge is no longer an excuse. We know Jesus. We've heard the gospel. We've heard the doctrines preached. We've seen them in the Bible studies. We've gone to Bible class. We know these things. It's not that we don't know. But for some of us, we have no desire. But at least the thing you could say for Pilate, Pilate was 
desiring. But you know what's even more powerful? Keep your finger here. Go to the book of Acts, chapter 3, in verse 13. Acts, chapter 3, in verse 13. And when I found this verse, I thought, man, this is, takes it to a whole nother level. Acts, chapter 3, in verse 13. This is Peter preaching. He says, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Are you there? Say amen. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, glorified his servant who? Jesus. Whom you delivered and denied in the presence of who? Pilate. When he was what? Determined to let him go. Think about this. Peter says, Pilate did not only have the desire, Pilate was determined to let Jesus go. So you still ask the question, Pilate knew what the right thing was to do. That's to release Jesus. Pilate was not only desiring to let Jesus go, he was determined. How then did Jesus end up on the cross? Because knowledge, desire, determination is not enough. Let me tell you something. Steps to Christ. Many people will be lost hoping and desiring to be Christians. In other words, I have a friend who puts it this way. The road to hell is paved with good intentions. People go to hell saying, I always intended to change my life. Always intended to give these things up. Always intended to, you know, go all the way with God. I always intended to join that movement to help finish the work. I had good intentions, but the road to hell is paved with them. People will be lost in this room, God forbid, hoping and desiring to be a Christian. I really want to do it, but some of you are saying right now, I'm not ready to do that. Some of you are saying, I'm not really ready to give up X, Y, and Z thing to go all the way with Jesus. That's what some of you are saying. You're hoping you're desiring, and you may even be determined. But you still don't do what's right. Just like Pilate. Think about it. Determined to let Jesus go. Go to John 19. John, in the 19th chapter, we have the third point of the night. John 19, in verse 6, are you there? Say amen. He says this, Therefore, when the chief priests and officers saw him, they cried out, saying, Crucify him! Crucify him! Pilate said to them, You take him and crucify him, for I find no fault with him. The Jews answered, We have a law. And according to our law, he ought to die because he made himself the son of God. Therefore, when Pilate heard that saying, he was the more what? Afraid. And went again into the praetorium and he said to Jesus, where are you from? But Jesus gave him no answer. 
Then Pilate said to him, are you not speaking to me? Do you not know that I have what? I do not, I have what? Power. Notice what he says. Power to crucify you and power to do what? Pilate messed up. In the silence of Jesus, Pilate says, Jesus, not only do I know what's right, not only am I desiring it and determined, I have the what? The power to do it. He tells Jesus to his face, do you not know that I have power to crucify you or to release you? Are you not speaking to me? (laughs) A third reason why people don't do what's right is because they don't have the power. You see, we can come into the knowledge and we say, I know what's right. Some of us can say, you know what, not only do I know what's right, I desire to do what's right. I'm determined to do it. And not only that, determination, desire, and knowledge will not lead you to a righteous life. It will not. You you and I need power. We need to understand what we are up against. And for many of us, we think we can resist temptation in our own strength. I have news for you. You and I cannot do it. We are no match for Satan and for sin. The very first promise in the Bible, in Genesis 3.15, I will put enmity between you and the woman, between her seed and your seed. Why is God saying this? I, myself, will put enmity. The word enmity means hatred. In other words, when they sinned, there is now no hatred between you and the devil. You naturally get along. I naturally get along with him. And God says, I have to supernaturally put hatred in your heart for the things of Satan. You see, some of us can struggle and struggle and struggle and say, Lord, why do I love that which brings me so much guilt? Why am I drawn? Why am I enchanted? By that thing that brings me the greatest sorrow. Here I am again, Lord, in the same mess, in the same muck. I've been wrestling with the same stuff. Not because I'm not determined. Not because I don't know. But Lord, when will you give me the power to overcome? In order to live a holy, righteous, Christian life. We need power. That's why Paul says in Romans 7, listen, I consent to the law that it is good. I want to do it in my inward man, but the power to do it, I do not find. O wretched man that I am, who will deliver me? He has reached a place. You and I can reach a place where we recognize, Lord, I do not have the power. And that is the moment that Jesus is waiting for. Is when we fall to our knees and we say, Lord, I don't have the power. And he says, finally, you understand. Finally, you see there is nothing in you 
that will deliver you? Nothing. Some people don't do right because they don't have power. But you know what? For us as Christians, Jesus' last words to his disciples, he said, listen, it is not for you to know the times or the seasons that the Father has put in his own authority, but you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost comes upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me. So when we think about this for a moment, here I am, I'm trying to live the Christian life. I know what's right. I have a desire. I may even be determined. But do you have power? Because power is needed. Otherwise, Jesus wouldn't have told his disciples. We're talking about Peter who has walked on water before. We're talking about an individual who has multiplied loaves and fishes in his hands. We're talking about people who have cast out demons, who have raised the dead. And Jesus says, you need power. Listen, if Peter was alive today before Pentecost, we would all be following this brother around wherever he gives his testimony. Let me tell you about the time I was walking on water. And yet Jesus says, when you're converted. (laughs) When you're converted, he's already casting out demons, walking on water, healing the sick. But Jesus says, when he's converted, strengthen your brethren. What are you talking about? He's been doing stuff many of us have never done in our lifetime. Mind-blowing. That Christ looks at this man who has, he has given the power to heal the dead. Peter, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, then you shall receive power. why a lot of people don't do us right we know we desire but we don't have the power I love desire of ages she says God Jesus would not have us engage with the devil at a disadvantage God would not have us intimidated of Satan. We talk too much of the devil's power. We talk about how powerful sin is. We talk about how powerful our desires are, how powerful our temptations are. She says, we need to talk about Jesus' power. We need to sit down and talk about what Jesus can do. When we understand this is what Jesus can do, This is why Paul says, yeah, wherever sin abounds, grace did much more abound. That is a point for reflection. You sit down, I sit down and think, how powerful is the force of sin in my life? When I sit down and start meditating and saying, man, (laughs) this thing is hard to resist. And God says, you felt the power of sin. You felt the power of temptation. And yet, grace is much more powerful than that. Do you understand? The Bible says it's so powerful, 
It's resurrecting power. It will give life where there is no life. Paul says, that's what I'm striving for. That I may know him. And the power of his resurrection. That's what I want to know. By experience. So how in the world did Jesus end up on the cross when Pilate knew what was right, desired to do what was right, and had the power to do what was right? How? Did Jesus end up crucified? And he told Jesus to his face, I have the power to release you. You see, for many of us, I don't know why you are not doing what you know to be right. I don't know why. I don't know if it's because you don't know. I don't know if it's because you don't desire or you are not determined or because you don't have power. But the encouragement that I want to give you tonight In these three areas, you may say, you know what, Sebastian, I want to start having a prayer life. I want to start studying the Bible. I want to go all the way with Jesus, but I don't know how to do that. Or maybe you're saying, yeah, I know that's the best thing to do. I know I should give my heart to Jesus. I know I should go all the way, but I don't have a desire to do that. Or maybe you're a person who says, I know it. I desire it, but I don't have power. And tonight, God wants to offer people power. Did you know that there is power available for you to live a completely different life from what you are living right now? A life where you do see miracles. A life where you do experience the power of God every day. Ellen White says Moses saw God. She says not by faith. She says many people see God by faith, but for Moses, he saw God. Everywhere he looked. It wasn't that Moses was like, oh yeah, you know, this is an object lesson. She says he saw him. And God is no respecter of persons. He is willing to give you and me that same exact experience. Same exact experience.
every head is bowed and every eye is closed. Is there something that you know is right? But you're not doing it. Is it because you don't know? Is it because you don't have a desire? So I want to make an invitation for that person that says, I know what's right, or maybe I don't know what's right. Or maybe I know and I just don't have a desire. And you're saying, Lord, tonight I want you to teach me. And God can give you interest and love in divine things. Jesus can do that if you ask him. He can give you a desire for that which you have not desired before. You want to say tonight, I need that. In my life. I just want you to raise your right hand. I need that in my life. Put your hands down. If you're a person right now that says, I desire to do what's right, but I'm not determined. (laughs) I'm not determined to do what's right. I give up very easily. And you're saying, you know what? I, I I need deep, strong persevering motivation to keep pursuing that which I know is right. If that's you, I just want to invite you to stand to your feet. Say, I need deep, persevering motivation, determination to do what's right. And my last appeal is very serious. And that is for that soul that says, I know what's right. I desire it. I'm determined. But I need power. I need God to give me power in my life to overcome, to do what's right that's you, I just want you to slip out and come up front. I know what's right. I desire it. You may even be determined, but you need power. You're like, I need power to do what's right. Come. I want to pray with you and for you. Every head is bowed. Every eye is closed. If you're not coming, you should be praying. I need power to do what is right. I need power.
Let's pray. Father in heaven, Lord, it is us again. We came before you last night because of what was going on in secret. And so tonight, Lord, we are here again from Cedar Lake. Here because of the moving of your spirit. Here because you're willing to speak in spite of a man. And now we're here up front, we're standing because we need motivation, we need determination to do what's right. But we're standing up front. We've come aside to the very altar of God, boldly to the throne of grace because we need power. Jesus promised that power would come with the Holy Spirit. And so, Lord, right now, on behalf of these young people that stand behind me, Lord, I want to confess our sins before you. We want to acknowledge that all the wrong that we have done, we did it because we wanted to do it. We love that which is evil. We love that which grieves your heart and brings anguish to your soul. And it hurts us, Father, that we love those things that hurt us and hurt you. But we are here because we recognize that you are a God of forgiveness and of redemption. That you are a God who says it doesn't matter how far you have gone, you can come back. And we're here not to acknowledge our sin, but to acknowledge that you are our Savior. You are the only hope that we have. And that we are in desperate need of power. Father, we need power to do what we know. We pray for your blessing. We pray for your blessing. The blessing of power that comes from on high to live a holy life, to overcome every temptation. We need you, Lord, to change our desires, to radicalize us in Christianity, and give us a deep love for the things of eternity and a hatred for the things of Satan. Thank you, Lord, for hearing and answering this prayer, and we trust that you'll help this to be our experience. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.